Hello, Frog fans. Welcome to Post Game Beers Podcast. We are the Lupton Drinking Club here to chat some frog ball. I'm your host, Kyle Malloy, joined by producer Ray Cartwright. We've also got Garrett Evans on the pod tonight. Uh, but tonight we are thrilled to welcome back associate head coach TJ Bruce. TJ, um, thank you for coming on. It's just past the halfway point in the season. You said, hey, I'll come on anytime, and we held you to that. So thanks for coming on. <laughs> no, no problem, man. I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy being on and and talking TCU baseball. I think um, I think anytime you can you can get people on and, and talk about you know the ins and outs of what's happening. I think that's good for everybody. So I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you. Um, we're going to start with some new recruiting rules that came out this week. Um, they were just put into place, preventing you guys from contacting uh, basically underclassmen. I mean, if you want to yep. just simplify it, underclassmen in high school. So my question for you is, does that mean you've had to revoke any scholarships from your sons? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no revoking of scholarships yet. Um but it's it's been an interesting I don't know probably three or four days I think when Kendall broke the news and we kind of knew it was going somewhere we had to vote on it as of a few weeks ago we didn't think it was going to be turned around this fast um, I feel like we just voted on it two weeks ago and then all of a sudden bam um, the cutoff was April 26 so um, not that you had to you know not that you ever had to you know hurry or do something but it just it made you evaluate some things moving forward and how are you going to move forward and how's the program going to move forward and and obviously part of recruiting is knowing what everybody else is going to do to move forward and and as and as you guys are on twitter i mean you're you're seeing commitments pop up left and right from a lot of people and a lot of schools um so it is what it is uh we'll, and we'll make the best of it for sure yeah, yeah. You, you answered honestly, and that was really a joke of a question because <laughs> we've really enjoyed watching your kids um, on the field every night. I mean, they just seem like they're having a ball out there, you know, with the guys and playing catch and grabbing those balls. And and what was it, uh, Oklahoma State when they ran out and, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. tackled that ball yeah. from from the out hustled them. <laughs> yeah, See, that was he was a little little distraught. Um, a little bit Saturday. So Nash, our youngest, you know, Jackson's more of our, I don't know. He's probably more of a thinker. Like he'll think, okay, if I do this, what happens? Nash is not. Um, and so in fact, Sunday morning, um, we're driving to the field and I did tell Nash, I go, if you get, if it gets close, you just tackle him. And that's just how this <laughs> thing is going to go. And, um, he goes, he goes, really? And I said, yep. I go, if it's, if it's one-on-one -on -one and you're close, you're tackling them. And then um, he was all for it, but the bat boy, their bat boy didn't come out. Uh, didn't come out all <laughs> so we went on that one. He was intimidated after uh, that Friday night. <laughs> it was a lot of fun to watch him. Um, all right. So, you know, we can give, we, we give our, we, we can give, we do give our outside opinion, you know, based on some of the issues that we've kind of seen this year, because we're fans, you know, we're, we're trying to hit as many games as we can. We watch, I mean, just about every game, but you're there, you're with the team, you're there every day. Um, and I don't think we've ever questioned the fact that this team is extremely talented. Mm -hmm. uh, they have um, some all-stars, you know, some guys that are going to be drafted highly and, and we're pretty excited about that, but is there a particular challenge 
um, maybe halfway through the season that you're trying to address right now. So I don't know if that's consistency. Is it execution? Is it something else that you're trying to harp on uh, with, with the team? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, each team is a unique challenge in itself. You know, whether you are an Omaha team um, or whether you're not, you know, it, it's a challenge. Every every year is brand new. Uh, and so I think it always brings its unique challenges. And then now <clears throat> with this team, you know, it, it, there's challenges for sure. But everybody goes through them. You know, um, I think the one thing that probably doesn't that gets overlooked, I think, from just a fan's perspective is everybody thinks it's just plug and play. You know, you just you go ahead and and Anthony Silva was highly rated out of high school and he's a hell of a player um, and he's doing a great job for us. But we forget that he's 18. We forget that every level that you move up, the speed of the game changes. Um, you know, Braden's having Braden's getting back to Braden Taylor but we forget that his COVID year was his senior year of high school. He never had to go through the draft process back then, which would have prepared him a little bit more for now. So now you're talking about a 21-year-old kid that has the weight of the world on his shoulders, has the weight of the city, has the weight of the program. And that and that's that's you know goes for all our draft guys, really. I, I think that's a whole nother animal um, in terms of what you're trying to deal with and what they're dealing with. And I think the best thing you can do as a coach is know that you'll be there for them um, and kind of walk them through. You know, we're really fortunate that Kirk's been through that process um, in terms of twice, right? Went through his junior year and didn't go the way he wanted it to go. So he ended up coming back and ended up being a third rounder and was arguably the best pitcher in the country in 2001 when that happened. So I think that's probably gets lost in translation, I think. You know, and I get it. I'm a fan, right? I'm a Dodger fan or a Raider fan, unfortunately, or, you know, so at the end, at the beginning of the year, it's, oh, we, we do this, we're going to do this. And, you know, and I always, I compare it to the Raiders and here, here's the deal is, you know, I, I see it from a different lens. I appreciated Derek Carr. I appreciated what Derek Carr brought to the organization. I appreciate the loyalty. I appreciate the consistency that he brought, it wasn't his fault. He had six head coaches and nine offensive coordinators. That's not, mm -hmm. that's something out of his control. And I think it's a little true in our game. And I, and I think, you know, the, the more that we talk about it with our guys and they're super open and honest and the better off everybody's going to be. And it's just, it just may take longer than some people want it to, but in house, there's no panic. Um, I thought today's practice was one of the better ones we've had, especially coming off of yesterday. Um, so there, everything's ahead of us, and that's the good news. You know, I know we can write about and <clears throat> say, well, this and that, but everything's ahead of us. We're 36 games in. We got a long way to go still. We got 20 games left. We got a lot of conference weekends left. Um, so we we got to focus on getting better today, and, and I thought we did that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, you know, was addressed. So yesterday's game ends on a mental error. Mm -hmm. There was mental errors on the base paths. How do you go about dressing that with the team? Yeah, I think you got, you know, the we so yesterday we had what we had uh, called tell the truth to Tuesday. And so it's basically a little more than a halfway point. And um, I think Kirk did some things today with the pitching. We did some things yesterday with the offense. But I think the bottom line is, is you got to be super honest about it. 
about what happened. Now, I will say as much as the mental errors, you know, it happened twice right on the bases yesterday, as much as that may or may not have impacted the game, um, I'm more – I. I think when you're going to make a mistake, we want you to be super convicted in the mistake, you know, and, and it's always easier to say, well, gosh, if you didn't do that. Um, and I think that's a part of learning. That's a part, and you guys know, it's a part of being a parent. It's part of being a leader is you got to be bold and be convicted in what you believe in and let the pieces fall where they fall. And that's, that's just kind of a part of life. Um, but I think the best way you can do is educate them and educate what's going on because <clears throat> they, they're players, right? Players play coaches coach, yeah. you know? So um, you're always thinking a pitch ahead or a, a batter ahead. And that's the best thing you can do. And, but would I change it? I'm not going to change it if it's going to help us down the road. So no, I, I wouldn't. I'm hopefully, hopefully it helps us down the road, make better decisions and, or be more convicted in, in the decisions that we make and do it. Yeah, I think where you've seen a lot of that conviction that you talk about is the willingness to try to take extra bases and then even aggressiveness on the base pass once you get on base. Yeah, I mean, it, hey, we're, you know, we're it's we're in a funny time, you know, in terms of offense. I, I think offense in particular is there the game planning is so, so more strategic than being on time for a fastball. We're not getting fastballs a lot anymore. Um, everything's crossed. You're watching, or, you know, I was just watching the Yankee Angel game and, you know, it's oh breaking ball. It's 2-0 breaking ball. It's 2-1 chain. I mean, you know, so they're seeing our guys at 18 to 22 are seeing a completely different style of pitching than what was, I guess, when I was playing and probably, you know, as of a few years ago. And so you're trying to game plan. And so it's good. I think part of our base running plan is to be super aggressive and only have it take one hit to get a, a run in instead of having to get two. And I think that's part of it. And that's part of uh, where John and Garrick have done a tremendous job, I think, um, with the base running. Do you um, do you use data on individual players or pitchers to determine this is the situation that I'm going to call a hit and run, you know, or – or is that more of a feel thing from a coaching perspective? This is how the game is going. Yeah, I think there's two. So there's two schools of thought. So like we, I have it all in the dugout. Um, now what I post is different. Um, what the coaches have everything we need. Um, I coach more off of feel. Um, and that's where I'm really good at, I think. And when I don't, the problem with that is, is when you don't have feel or things are getting a little haywire, um, you have to, you know, you have to adjust. Um, but we do use it, you know, in terms of we have percentages and counts. We have percentages on the guy on the mound, percentages where he's at <clears throat> um, in with fastballs, breaking balls and whatnot. But also you got to take into account too the player that you got to know your own player's percentages. You know, you got to know who swings through a change, who's susceptible to the change up on our team who, you know, people are scared to death to throw Luke Boyer as a fastball, you know, and Luke Boyer's of, uh, 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 you know, I think the whole year said in our quality of bat, he's second on our team in quality of bats. Mm -hmm. And so I can really care less about his average. I really don't care 
because he's given us a quality at bat. I think he's at 60%. At 60% of the time, he's hitting the ball hard. He's getting on base. He's having six putts plus pitch quality at bats. But he's one of the best hitting, best fastball hitting players I've been around. When there's a yeah. fastball coming, you don't want to throw him a fastball. So, yeah, I, I was, I, I mean, for, for me, a dumb, can you explain what that quality of bat is for you guys if you're analyzing that? Yeah. So, quality, so I keep it every game. And that's that a lot what's prompted to move him in a leadoff spot. Um, quality of bat basically is a hard hit ball. Um, it's, it could be a sack bunt, which we don't bunt a whole lot. It could be a runner at second base moving the guy over, a sack fly, a six pitch. Uh, a six-plus pitch at bat, a walk, a hit by pitch, um, all that stuff is quality at bats, and that's really what we judge off of quite a bit. Um, yeah, do you look at numbers? Sure, I know the numbers. I know who's where and what's this and that, but I also know that the more the it's the process before the product, and if your process isn't good, the product is going to be super inconsistent. And a guy like Luke, and that's where the the fan part, a guy like Luke looks on paper is like, okay, well, how about his on-base percentage and his slugging is over 400? Okay, so he's getting on base. He's one of our best, better on-base guys. Let's move him to the top, and he's giving us quality at bats. And it really wasn't a knock on, on Eli or anybody like that, but now you got two bookends. That's where our thought process was. You got two bookends, and now you can turn the lineup over. And mm -hmm. I think the more you can lengthen the lineup within those quality of bats, you're going to be a pretty good team, and the product's going to be better. In that same vein, talking about quality at bats. Um, so if you got, if you do have a guy who, who's slumping or what have you, um, I guess what's kind of your philosophy to help guys kind of get out of that hole and get back on track? Yeah, I think a lot of it's just talking about the quality of bats, and that's really that's a lot of the talk. And and you guys sit really close to our dugout, but um, <laughs> the next time is try to listen. A lot of the a lot of the verbiage is win this pitch, mm -hmm. and that's really what it comes down to. Is it goes back to Ken Revisa, um, who who passed away a few years ago, but basically the godfather of the mental game, and then Brian Kane, who we work with, who's a, a disciple of Ken. But it's basically always about being present and being where you need to be when you need to be there. And that's really how we are trying to do offense. Um, it's not, hey, you have to hit a fly ball here because, as you guys know, when you have to do something in those pressure pack situations, you feel the weight of the world. And that was a lot of talk with a lot of these guys early, especially draft guys, is Braden Taylor doesn't have to be Superman. Mm -hmm. Elijah doesn't have to be mm -hmm. Superman. Luke doesn't doesn't have to be Superman. Curtis Byrne, they just have to pass the baton, we call it, to the next guy behind them. And that's all you're trying to do. In that vein, you know, not trying, you know, these guys not trying to do too much and not be Superman, but it kind of feels like they've almost had to have been with the way this the starting pitching and pitching in general has really struggled these last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I think I think it goes. I think a lot of these guys put so much pressure on themselves. And there again, I don't know what it's like to be in their shoes. I don't know what it's like to be a potential first rounder. I was a first round JC player and then ended up going into a four year school. But I don't know what that's like. So you try to have a little bit of empathy. And I think but I think on the pitching side, too, I think 
you know, Vander High, is he putting too much pressure on himself? Is Cam Brown putting too much pressure on himself? Luke Savage has battled some different things and coming back, not put pressure. And then and I think the more the more that things aren't going how you expected them to go, the pressure mounts, right? And it turns into this, I have to, I got to. And that's never a wrong, that's that's not a good place to be in because I don't think you'll be able to function at your best. So, you know, we're not quote unquote professional by any means, but we do try to separate the play in the field and sure. the player, you know, the, who, who they are. But what when you're talking about this, the guy that I keep thinking about is David Bishop. And mm-hmm. it's harder for anybody to have a hotter start than he did as in his freshman year. I mean, he was destroying um, teams, you know, at this time last year. And I obviously I'm sure he's significantly more frustrated than we are, you know, at watching, you know, watching him. But what are some root causes of that sophomore slump that he's kind of working through right now? You know, it's it's. It's like, I guess I'll compare it to the big leagues a little bit. You know, the goal for a lot of major league players is just to get to the big leagues. That's it. That's all they want to do, you know. Um, and you've talked to, a, you know, I think you guys just had Duggan on a while ago. And, you know, he just he wants to get to the NFL. Well, you know, once they get there, then they want to then they want to be stay there. Right. Once they stay there, then they want to make money. Once they make money, they finally want to win. And not now that plays a little bit of role here with all the, with all the stats and the numbers out there, you are forced to grow at a rate that you may not be comfortable with there again, back when we all played, or I know back when I played at long beach state, I mean, I didn't, they didn't, there was no numbers. You had the old camcorder and you know, (laughs) you had to press record on the VHS just in case your game came on, you know, the once a month game and, there was no numbers on hot zones. And, you know, I think part of, I think part of it is, is that I think part of it is with each year you have to grow and you have to evolve your game. And I think with Bish being out and the hand deal last year, obviously I was not here, but, um, and then, you know, the summer and going through the fall, I think he just fell into in my opinion, um, kind of a byproduct of, you know, starting to figure him out a little bit, but also I think, I I think he falls into another deal about pressure. And I think that's, that's what you want to, as coaches try to alleviate from these guys, because David Bishop's a good player. Mm -hmm. David Bishop is going to play for a long time. David Bishop will play long after TCU for a long time. He's just have, he's just having, he's super in between on some different things offensively. And it's our job to work with him on this and work through it with him. And we haven't given up on him. He knows that. Um, and that's that's just somehow how it goes. You know, that's just kind of the way the, the, the ball rolls every once in a while. How hard is it for y'all to balance that whenever you're trying to work through and get a guy going versus knowing you need results on the field because it's crunch time, like it's go time? Yeah, great question. I, I just had this conversation with JD the other day. RPI, in my opinion, has been the complete program development killer. You know, there again, back when I played, midweek games were for the part-time player that played. They were for the pitchers that didn't pitch much. So you can develop that fourth starter because you need a fourth starter in a regional. 
or <clears throat> a conference tournament. You can develop your backup shortstop because Tulowitzki might go down and I have to go over and play shortstop. You know, and I th- I think RPI has hindered development and programs, but I think it's I think it's really it's a hard it's a hard balance because as you said, fifty six games it's a sprint, and losing um, to certain opponents is it never becomes this is where the NCA right it's like oh yeah we're about the student athlete yet we made it all about RPI so basically you're telling us it's all about winning and so the development of the student athlete from a from a program standpoint hinders at times because you got to go with the hot hand at times you got to go with who's hot at the moment um who's hot now who's going to be hot versus this matchup and do all that stuff have you heard about the um the idea of like you you take your top low or your lowest 3 RPI games regardless of results throw them out you know, that, that sort of thing. Is that something that TCU is in support of? You know, we haven't talked about it in our office a whole lot, um, but it's an interesting concept. I'll tell you that. And and I think – I don't know where I waver on that, to be honest. I don't know if I'm for it or against it. I think if it helps you develop within your program, I'd be for it. You know what I mean? I, I think um, if we can do that, as a collective unit, as a whole about with college baseball, I'd be for it, you know, and and that's, I haven't looked dove in numbers or this and that, but I don't see why anybody wouldn't be for it. Yeah. I think where that would help, especially, you know, with May right around the corner is you're going to start seeing a lot of midweek games get canceled. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's unfortunate for those smaller programs in the exposure that they get. And then, you know, trying to develop talent against bigger programs, like you saw with A&M last year, pretty much wiped out their entire May. TCU's done it before where they've canceled games uh, here and there. And I I don't know, maybe y'all do it this year. Like I can think of one game, uh, Mm -hmm. the UT Rio Grande Valley game. But uh, I think that, throwing out your three lowest RPI games would be a huge benefit for the game. Yeah. I think it would just, it would just, right. You, you end up playing the game to play the game and develop the players. Mm-hmm. Um, so there again, if you're about, if you're pro development, then I, I think, I think it'd be something for sure to think about. Yeah. And that's been interesting. So TC's always had kind of what it looks like that pro development on Tuesdays. Usually you see a lot of freshmen either on the field or especially in the uh, bullpen get a lot of uh, innings. But then you see these other teams like a UTA, a DBU to an extent, uh, what Lamar did last night where it's a bullpen game and they're just throwing one guy at you to kind of mix it up with y'all and uh, get you out of rhythm. And I'll say this for all the fans, that is the hardest game to hit in. I'm telling you that right now. I I don't care – Who's on the mound? I don't care what it is. Those are the toughest games to hit in because you don't get in a rhythm. You don't. Mm-hmm. You don't have. You're watching. The only time you're seeing the guy really for the first time is if you're on deck or in the hole, or in the box. You don't have to sit back and, okay, this guy's doing this to left-handers. Okay, I got it. You know, I think it's 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 tough. Yeah, and even then, you know, a lot of times when a guy either gets out or whatever, he comes and gives the uh, guy in the on-deck circle advice, like, hey, this is what yep. I'm seeing. 
but then he goes like Braden Taylor goes up to bat and then, okay, we're bringing in a lefty now. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it just, and it's, it's, you know, that's why I think it's really interesting. You guys go back to the game planning. It's, it's really interesting because there again, you're watching video and you're getting this report. Okay. This guy has a changeup. Okay. Got it. So I see the numbers. It's excellent. It's 35% change. Best secondary pitch. Well, what if his change isn't on? So now you're trying to pass. This is where our eyeballs as coaches and theirs, you're trying to teach them is to pay attention to the game when you're not playing or when you're not. Don't miss pitches. Basically, every pitch tells a part of the story. Um, so that that's kind of that's where all that goes. So, TJ, just to change subjects a little bit, you know, yeah. I feel like as fans, maybe our expectations for the year have changed a little bit, but. I don't know if that's the same thing for coaches and players. You know, do your season-long goals in terms of Big 12, postseason, you know, whatever that is after that, are those – do you modify those based on past results or do you keep punching the same message? Yeah, I don't think – you know, it's an it's, it's, it's a good question and it's a really good question because – so I'll speak just kind of from my past experiences. So I've been at two mid-majors and two power fives, right? So – whether it was at Long Beach State coaching, the goal was to go to Omaha. That that's period. Win the Big West, host a regional, go to Omaha. Done. Right? You get to UCLA, same thing. You end up winning a national title, mm -hmm. right? All because of the same mindset. And then even at Nevada, those were the. I don't know if you can lower the expectations because you have standards for yourself, right? You guys have all created standards in your home or for your own personal life that you stand by and you're not lowering them. You, it's our, it's your job and people around you's job to meet them. You know, fortunately, I think for TCU baseball, they have a standard, right? It's our job. And I'll just tell you me included as a new coach, it's my job to meet the standard. My job is not to lower the bar and say, well, we're struggling here. We're struggling here. Let's just, no, that's not our job. And then our job is to bring in the players and even the new players, the freshman players that are playing. I, you know, you think of Bowen and Silva right away, right off the bat, that they're playing premier spots. Their job is to raise them, elevate their game to the standard of TCU baseball, which if you recruit right, which we do, um, and I, I don't mean we in myself, what Kirk and John have done, in terms of recruiting, they do it right because they bring it. Those guys have the same standards. But so, no, to answer your question, you don't lower the standards. You just face different obstacles and challenges to get to where you want to go. Sometimes it's 41 wins. Sometimes it's going to be 35 and you're going to sneak in as a three seed and you're 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 going to go. It, it doesn't matter. It's just there's just a little bit of a detour to where you want to get to. Mm hmm. Yeah, with everything still on the table for y'all, it's been kind of a weird year looking in general at the Big 12. Like, no mm -hmm. one's really ran away with this conference, and so that keeps y'all in. And, I mean, this year kind of feels like last year for TCU, um, where, you know, winning the conference is right there. It's on the table. I mean, but you have to perform well. Like, this weekend against West Virginia, what do you see in this West Virginia team that's going to give y'all trouble? Well, 
I got one familiar player. Their outfielder played for me at Nevada the last two years, Landon Wallace. So it'll be actually good to catch up with Landon. Um, but I think it's West Coast baseball to the max. I mean, West Coast to the double squeeze, first and third squeeze through, fake steal. Um, you're going to see it all. So in all honesty, me not knowing and playing West Virginia, I'm way more comfortable going into that than just standing back and watching the slugfest and kind of bang for nine innings. You know, I, I feel like that's that's how I was raised in the game. And so I think with that, um, nothing should catch us off guard in terms of the steal of home or the safety squeeze or – you know, a first and second, we did it to somebody the other day, a first and second double steal with nobody out in really what could have been a sack situation. You know, nobody's going to get caught off guard um, that way. So, um, you know, now we, we just got to make sure that we know our assignments and we just go out and play baseball. And like I told the offense yesterday, they have to go be authentic. No one wants a cheap version of them they have to go be who they are and be the authentic person they are and they'll be fine. Is there a way like, um, and this is kind of going back to our overarching, you know, theme of the night of like simplifying the game plan for them where they're not trying to run through too many scenarios in their head. They're just going up and playing baseball. Yeah. There's something to that too. I think, like, we, I mean, we always talk about, too, the answers lie between the lines. Yeah. Like, all the answers are between the lines. So if you just are watching, and that's part of our job in educating them, is if you're just watching, okay, know who the runners are. Okay, so if a guy like Anthony Davis is on, or Austin Davis is on for, I was bringing up Anthony Davis the other day. We're I've done that before that. this year. <laughs> um, but if AD is on first base and Elijah's on second. Okay. There's something's going to go down. Like you don't know what something could go down, right? If you have them both on the corners, something could go down. Now, if you have Curtis Byrne and David Bishop, right. Depending on who's hitting, there could be a few things go down, but I can tell you what won't go down is a double steal, right? There, <laughs> that, that won't. So I think part of this thing is trying to educate them as best you can and hopefully that simplifies it instead of throwing out all these scenarios yep. and just have them, you know, coach the game, have them be like, okay, what do you got? You know, when they come off the field, okay, what are you seeing from a positioning standpoint? Oh, his barrels going first. It's a left-handed hitter and his barrels first. Okay. Well, what's that tell you? The ball's going to be to my left. Okay. Got it. Good. Go get it. You know, and, and you just try to do that as best you can, you know, TJ, you know, you were a head coach for years and yeah. you decided to, hey, I'm going to try something new. I just want to coach ball, right? I want to, I don't want to pay attention to that big stuff, but I want to coach. Have you um, learned anything or grown yourself as a coach after spending a half year in Fort Worth? Yeah, major. I mean, probably more, and it's an growth is uncomfortable, right? You guys go mm -hmm. through it every day and we all should go through it every day, but it was a huge, moving here was scary, you know, and I've expressed that to Kirk a few different times. It, it was scary because I probably, I know I'm only 41 now, but I probably could have retired at Nevada. 
in all honesty. I mean, we won the most games in the league and won conference title. I, I probably could have stayed there forever, but I wasn't happy with the standard of what I was doing. Um, and I, I wanted to reach for more. I just wanted more. And, and I wanted to be around, and I've told you this, people that want the same thing and that want more. And so the growth part here, I'll tell you what is as an assistant, you don't, you don't get to just sit behind the desk and go to a donor lunch and remove yourself from not, not from the team. Um, but I, I very easily could have been in and out of practice at times, or somebody comes to practice and you spend 20 minutes on the side talking to them. I very easily could have done that and did that at times because things may have not been going well. As an assistant, you don't have that right. You, your, your obligation is to the players. One is to show up for them every day, whether you like it or not, and whether you are upset about last night or not. Your obligation is to show up for them. And secondly, your obligation is to show up for the program and to serve the head coach. So that in that way, I've I've grown from 15, what was my last year being an assistant, um, where I I had some things I needed to work on, um, to now, to now 23. So 10 years later, almost, I guess eight years later, um, those are probably the biggest areas that I think I've grown in terms of showing up every day for them. And like I said, not taking that I didn't before as a head coach, but you guys know there's, you can do different things and you can strategically, he's the head coach so he can stand back and not talk as much. And, um, and he can evaluate. I don't get to evaluate. I got to get in the trenches with the players and you do your evaluations on the, on the fly. What's been uh, some of the hardest challenges for you this year, this season, in the season, uh, making that transition? You know, I think <clears throat> I think just trying to find my place, you know, to be honest, I think that's I think that's something, you know, I, I don't know if anybody's married here. Um, you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's almost like your house, like. There, there's a rhythm that goes with your household. There's a rhythm that goes with your wife. There's a rhythm that goes with your kids. And when you're out of rhythm and you're trying to search for that rhythm, you just, you end up standing back um, and just kind of watching and finding where you fit in. You know, fortunately, Kirk is unbelievable in terms of just go and do what you got to do. But still, I respect the head coach seat so much. Um, a lot of it because I sat in that chair um, that you don't want to overstep at times. And like you said, I have been a head coach, so my brain is working. I thought it would slow down, to be honest. Um, it hasn't really slowed down. At times it has, but not really. You're always like, okay, what if they do this, what happens here? How can we counter and this and that? And trying to help in any way, shape, or form without stepping on toes. And that's probably been um, the biggest challenge for me, to be honest. And that's – and trying to fit in there, trying to – you know, you're trying to fit in with players, you know, because Bill and I are completely different. There's some similarities for sure. Um, you guys can probably see some similarities, but in how we go about the game, we teach the game very, very different in some way, shape, or form. 
Um, so that's, that's kind of, that's probably been the biggest one for me. What have those uh, coaches meetings been like on Mondays this year? You know, this team's been such a roller coaster, Mm -hmm. you know, hot, cold, hot, cold. What are those, uh, you know, you come in one Monday, you think you have everything figured out. And then you come in another Monday, you're like, what the hell just happened? (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's, Mondays are always kind of our off day to recharge. Um, so everybody's just kind of in and out um, doing what they need to do to recap the weekend, um, you know, and and try. hopefully the emotion of the weekend is down. I think Kirk's really good at that, and that's his personality, but also I think the pro background. You know, um, there's, not, there's not a whole lot of talking. There's a little bit after the game, but not – we're not going to dissect nine innings after sitting there for three hours and watching it because mm-hmm. the emotions are high. You say things, um, you don't see things sometimes with a clear lens. Um, so I think Monday's just more pretty, it's more casual. And then Tuesday we really get into, you know, what's going on that day and that night. And then Wednesday kind of sets us up for the weekend um, in terms of like we met this morning for an hour and, and really went over Wednesday, Thursday, getting into the weekend. You know, the hard part with Tuesday is, you know, you don't want to talk about Friday when you got a game to play Tuesday. So I, I want to push back on you had an earlier comment about um, not changing your values, you know, like you've got families and lives and you don't change your values. We we all changed our personal values this last weekend. We completed the nine by nine by nine challenge. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that goes that goes against a lot of my personal beliefs and my religion, to be honest. Um, are, would you ever be interested in something like that, Coach? Whoa, nine for nine. I don't, that's I was thinking about that. A, I was hoping Sarlos and Son sponsored it. <laughs> they, <laughs> helped. they did. They helped. They helped. I know Keith helped. Uh, B, I don't know. I don't. I honest to God, don't think I can do it. To be honest with you, it's I, so I don't, hard. I don't think. So- <laughs> I eat one meal a day as it is, let alone nine hot dogs. <laughs> There's your one in a, meal. In a nine <laughs> hot dog. <laughs> Apparently, I couldn't do it either, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's a whole weekend um, of meals. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, a couple of quick questions. Does Braden Taylor pay attention to the home run record? I don't know. I, I don't – I don't. is there one going on? Uh, sorry. Yeah, I guess he's what, guys, six? Fourth, he's fourth all-time TCU – and he's six behind the all-time leader, uh, Chad Huffman. So apparently the answer is no. Royce <laughs> Huffman, I mean. Yeah, I don't. I didn't even know there was one going on. Um, I, I don't know if he does or not, and I, I don't think I'll bring it up to him. But um, <laughs> he, I don't know. I, I, that'd be curious because I think Braden's one of those guys that if because if you talk to all big league players, they know what's going on at all times, and. It wouldn't surprise me if he did know, actually. Um, would he talk about it? No. Would he? I don't think he would even let you know that he knew about it. Excellent. That's that's exactly how I want my Braden Taylor. Um, yeah, because I, I, I have no idea. And I, I don't know the record book, but it's funny when we had uh, my last, my, not my last year, one of the years at Nevada, maybe my second to, in 21, we had a guy break the consecutive game home run record. He hit 11 home runs in wow. 10 consecutive games. And wow. so we're playing Arizona State at home. 
and he hits a home run to break the record, I guess. And it was, it's like a 50 year record. And so our pitchers like run, I mean, running to the, like to the right field fence. And I'm like, and I'm pissed, right? We're down <laughs> five to one now. I'm pissed. I'm like, what are you guys doing? What's going on? And then our Friday starter came up and I've been with him for years and he go, and he's one of the few guys that was like, he could care less if I was mad or not. <laughs> hey coach, you got to give this to, to Bosetti. I'm like, why? And he goes, he just broke the home run record. And I'm like, Whoa, I didn't even know there, I didn't really know there was one. All right. <laughs> yeah. Last question uh, from me. Um, yeah. What did uh, Kurt go down and say to the bullpen yesterday there in the second inning? Well, I didn't even know. So my cousin, you guys know the history. My cousin and him played together. Um, so my cousin watches every game. And you got to get him on this podcast from his man cave. You should see this thing. <laughs> And skull, I mean, he wears a skull cap, TCU skull cap for every game. And uh, so he, he goes, hey, I saw um, Kirk go to the bullpen. And I, I didn't even know he was out of the dugout, to be honest. <laughs> so we haven't had that conversation. I've done that before, and I've went to the bullpen. Um, it was, I'm sure it was very motivating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luke Savage, we saw him. Uh, yep. on Tuesday. That was awesome. Is he feeling good? Yeah, I think I think Luke, uh, I'll tell you what, it was like those three hitters was like, whoa. You know, just kind of what he was doing. You're like, whoa, okay. You know, so that was that was good to see. And and uh as far as I know, um he'll be he'll be on the flight tomorrow. So that's that's a huge positive. Awesome. Coach, um, you know, obviously you have an obligation to your players. You have no obligation to us. And we are very grateful for your time tonight. You know, thanks for coming on, especially after, you know, kind of a rough patch, I would say, you know, just a couple weeks of of some down games. But um, we're going to be watching the Frogs play uh, in Morgantown all weekend. Uh, we will be glued to our TVs and excited about the second half of the season and hoping for kind of an upswing and uh, into the Big 12 tournament and postseason. So thank you again for coming on tonight. No, no problem. You guys do a great job and um, anything I can do to help, I'm, I'm glad I'm honored to be on with you guys. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right. See you guys. Take care.